Good evening. You are listening to the Fumble Brewski podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio. I'm Adam Wright along with Justin Tucker and CJ Medeiros. Joining us on this special episode is host of the Down to the Wire podcast. Out of Bryant University is our personal friend, Brian Costu. Brian, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little while. How are you doing tonight? Adam, man, I'm having a great night. Uh, still can't get my name right in pronunciation. I've known you for the past 10 years, but still still love it, man. I always go by Costu. My, ah. par- my parents, my sisters always correct me. They're like, you know, it's Costa, right? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just been, it's like second nature now that your name is pronounced Costu. Don't listen, man. It's, it's second nature to me too, to, to take it as Costu. So, but anyways, man, I'm having a great day. I'm glad to be here. I just put out a podcast episode myself, but obviously ready to talk some football with you. I know. I understand you. Uh, you just came off an episode. Now Are you feeling gassed. You feeling tired? Uh, you know, I'm feeling it a little bit, but, you know, I got I got some good stamina. I'm used to doing some shows myself. I actually just had uh, me and my co-host Tyler Stringfellow on and we interviewed. Uh, we talked with a special guest and a friend of mine. Named, his name is Trevor Saunders. We ended up talking about uh, our thoughts on the upcoming Jake Paul fight with Tyron Woodley. And we also reviewed the uh, the Pats Bills game and also the uh, and also the Kenny Pickett fake slide drama going on in college football. Really good episode. I hope that uh, after the, after this one's uh, over, I hope you guys go over and check it out. Yeah, so definitely you guys go follow the Down to the Wire podcast. And they co- unlike us, they cover all sports. I mean, we could certainly cover all sports, but that's <laughs> a lot for us to do. Only Brian, the great Brian Costu could handle that. And uh, so, Brian, I don't I believe so. You've met Justin. You've been on the show with Justin before. You've seen Justin before. I have you've never you've never and you met our you, you met our former co-host, Brian Mucker. You never met oh. CJ before. So, Brian, CJ, CJ, Brian. How you doing, my guy? I'm fine. I, you know, I'm just it's always great to work with someone new. I say, uh, let's go. Absolutely. So glad we all we've all gotten to know each other now. So we do have a lot planned for you guys tonight. No shortage of news. The New England Patriots continuing to stay hot. Tom Brady's MVP case and Bill Belichick's coach of the year case. And the Buffalo Bills, who are possibly in, tr- in some trouble moving forward. The game of the week and the fan box, as always. But first, we're going to start with Justin's Ravens. Oh, who God. got a little bold, to say the least, at the end of last night's game. So they're doing fantastic. So the Ravens lost off of a failed two-point conversion at the end of the game. They lost their first seed and narrowed their own division lead as a result. To make matters worse, they also lost top corner Marlon Humphrey with what I'm with a, what I'm understanding is a torn peck. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. So. Um. We'll start with Justin, the Ravens fan. How concerned should we be about the Ravens moving forward? I need you to uh, – concerned? Uh, very concerned as far as Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah, I'm very concerned about that. As far as playoff aspirations, we're 8-4. and four. More than likely, we will make the playoffs. But how far we go depends on our health because I'm not going to lie. We're losing people by the week. We just <laughs> lost our top corner. We don't have any more corners to lose. Anthony Everett is our best corner. I don't like our chances against most games now. Because you're going to ask Anthony Everett to guard who now? 
Devontae Adams, who is coming up sooner rather than later, he's going to get cooked, and I'm going to lose my mind because of it. Who else am I losing? My right tackle, uh, Patrick McCarry, gone for the next few weeks. That is going to be a carousel. Pass rushers are going to kill Lamar now because we have nobody that can protect Lamar. Speaking of which, T.J. Watt absolutely had his way with that right tackle. Tyree Phillips, I appreciate you. Go back to guard. You cannot play right tackle. I, I, I understand that it's T.J. Watt, and he's a defensive player of the year candidate, but that's unacceptable. Lamar cannot be getting sacked three and a half times by one person. I'm very concerned about my Ravens because I don't think we can stay healthy throughout, for the rest of the season. I know we're probably going to lose another tackle. I know we're probably going to lose another skill position. And I know for some unknown reason, Greg Roman's going to screw us over in play calling. That's just something I have to accept because everybody might be upset about the two-point conversion. I'm not for the simple fact that we weren't going to win in overtime because we have no corners. So if we lost the coin toss, we're screwed. Ah. So I'm happy with the two-point conversion, but the play design of it was absolutely terrible. Why the hell was T.J. Watt unblocked? And why didn't no one put, like, hands on him to make sure he didn't get blocked? On top of that, no one seemed to block because as soon as I look at, like, a freeze frame, all four of my linemen are on the ground, and all four of the Pittsburgh Steelers linemen are up on their feet. So I'm like, Lamar's screwed on this play. And guess what he did? He somehow got the ball off, and Mark Andrews dropped it. Even though it was a bad pass, it's not like Lamar could give him a better one. So all in all, I am concerned with the Ravens' Super Bowl aspirations, but I think they'll make the playoffs because I think they have enough games where they'll somehow pull off and win because that's just how the season's been going. I'm not sure we can keep the first seat, I mean, or, like, get involved in the first seat because we just lost it to New England. We'll see how they'll do. And as far as I'm concerned, Divisional round to AFC Championship at best right now because we just lost our best player on defense. All right, Adam, I know you're at your house right now. Justin, are you are you on campus right now at Dean? Yes, I am. CJ, you're on campus right now at Dean? Yeah, I am. CJ, I need you to do me a favor and go and make sure Justin is okay. I think even if you have to leave the podcast mid-episode because, man, Justin, man, you, you guys are – you're going through it, my guy. I'm, I'm so sorry for you right now, man. It is – the injury bug for the Ravens this year is no is no joke. I mean, it's it has hit you guys in every single facet of the game. And listen, as a Pats fan, I love this uh, as it's as it's beneficial to me. But man, as someone who's seen their team get hit with the injury bug, man, the Ravens, Jesus Christ! I mean, you guys are you guys are just going through the ringer right now. I mean, I hope that uh, I hope you guys can figure something out. I mean, it's definitely a tough place to be in especially just with every with guys dropping left and right up I mean especially with Everett now having to become the number one corner having to guard obviously said Devontae Adams if you guys end up making it to the playoffs if the Bills are in it you have to face uh Stephon Diggs I'm fine with that yeah they're just there's just a bunch of situations man where it just doesn't look it doesn't look good I uh the Ravens since ever since like the injuries at the beginning of the year I believe it was uh Ever since like J.K. Dobbins and all those other guys started to go down, I was like, this isn't looking good. Pieces are falling this early in the season, and you're usually used to guys going down throughout the duration of a season. That's just what the NFL is. You're just used to guys going down. So mm-hmm. when so when I saw it happening that early in the season and before some real games were even being played, I was like, 
this is a telltale sign that something is going to go bad. And I don't know, man. I I don't know if I don't know, Justin, how where you are of the training staff with the Ravens. I mean, is this something that, you know, the trainers could try to prevent or is this just like really unfortunate circumstances? Because, I mean, I don't know I, when a bunch of guys are getting injured like this. Part of my mind immediately goes to the training staff and I end up saying, all right, we're doing like all the players are trying to do their parts in the field. But what are the guys doing their part in trying to keep guys healthy doing? So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? As far as I'm concerned, I kind of want to look into it because one play we lose Gus Edwards and then immediately the next play we lose Marcus Peters. And this is preseason. We're not even talking about in-game preseason. We're talking about practices we're losing guys. Yes. I got the news and I was heartbroken, man. I was so depressed. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm thinking, okay, who's going to be my starting corner on the other side? It was Anthony Everett. I moaned. I groaned. I was like, give me somebody else. To his credit, he's been playing well, but he's not Marcus Peters, and we're not getting the necessary turnovers that we would be getting if Marcus Peters was on the field. uh, I miss J.K. Dobbins. I miss Gus Edwards. My running game is basically Lamar in the occasional Devontae Freeman 10-yard run. I mean, but that's typically what it's always been. The running game's kind of always been a little bit of Lamar. Yeah, it's always a little bit of Lamar. He makes it work, but at the same time, J.K. Dobbins, you could see, could average five yards per carry. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I could rely on him, and Gus Edwards doesn't move backwards. He'll give me five yards, no problem. Both of them are gone. My third string went right with them. Mark Ingram got traded to Houston, and now he's with the Saints. I am losing players left and right, and I don't know who to blame. Marlon Humphrey, that was just very bad timing. Yeah. That was just, what else can we lose? Oh, our all-pro all pro DB? Gone. And I was like, Really? That's why I wasn't so mad about the two-point conversion attempt because who are we going to have defending Devon, uh, Deontay Johnson, who was unguardable that night, apparently? So I do want them to look at it and see, like, what's going on. But at the same time, there was just some injuries, like, that couldn't be avoided. Yeah. During the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that them going for two has something to do with the fact that they knew there was something wrong with Marlon Humphrey. And with a couple tough matchups coming up, namely the the Los Angeles Rams, maybe they they were so desperate for winning this game that they felt they need to do something drastic and they need to win this game now, in order to sort of make something happen. I don't think it's like that. I wouldn't see like them looking ahead and seeing the Rams because number one, I don't think the Rams are that tough an opponent right now, considering they just beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are basically the Houston Texans of the AFC South. So both teams are terrible. So I'm like, okay, the Rams beat up on who they were supposed to beat up. But at the same time, it's like the Rams haven't been looking good these like the past month. Matthew Stafford has been looking bad. Um, Sean McVay has been looking bad. And the whole team as a whole didn't look that good. So I don't think the Ravens were looking ahead in them specifically. I think Green Bay is one of the teams where they were like, we want to get this one out the way now. So when we face them, we know that's going to be a tougher one to win. But I think that was more so just to to deal with the cornerback situation at the present time, not necessarily looking towards the future. All right. So we just want CJ to get a say in this because it's been just me, you, and Brian going back and forth. But let's let's not be exclusive. Let's let CJ speak. CJ, what do you have to say? Well, I've had some time to sit on this. And as it sits now, I don't fault John Harbaugh 
as much as I did at first. At first, I was like, you know, you have the sure-footed Justin Tucker, you know, as your kicker. Like, that's just easy money to get that one. But then again, it's really a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because I know two points risky, but at the same time, do you risk handing the ball back to Pittsburgh when you have absolutely zero corners? I mean, at that point in time, it's like the odds were slim to not the Rams are going to win that game. You know, you're going to have to convert a two-point conversion with a bad O-line. Or you're going to need to hope that the coin toss goes your way and that your poorest defense can hold a somewhat potent, at least that night, Pittsburgh offense. So, honestly, this is like the most dour of all the, uh, you know, explanations. But there was simply nothing the Ravens could have done. And honestly, are they going to make the playoffs? More than likely, yeah, but I would say that their chance of making the Super Bowl, like winning that game, are slim to none, and slim might have just left because defense wins you championships. They lost a lot of key pieces in free agency, and everyone else got injured, so I don't know like, who this defense can stop. Not unless Anthony Averett becomes like Trayvon Diggs or something like that. I wish he so, would become Trayvon. No. I want him to be better than that because occasionally. So you want to be JC Jackson? Yeah, but. I'll take a JC Jackson over a Trayvon Diggs because I know Trayvon Diggs may give me the picks, but he'll get beat for a touchdown every now and then. I don't have that problem with JC Jackson, and I get the picks. Yep. So, but all well, all that aside, I, I just I can't fault the Ravens. It's gonna be a tough rest of the season, but you have this off season, you know, just regroup, come back, and maybe stay a little bit healthy. It's a tough situation to be in because as much as I want to, like, we're eight and four. So we still have a chance to make the playoffs and still have a chance to be the first seed. It's not like the Patriots are far ahead or the Titans are far ahead. The Patriots are nine and four. The Titans are eight and four. We're eight and four. So it's like, okay, we have a chance at this. But we're so depleted injury wise. It's, it's a miracle how many times we have to come through last minute and win these games. So it's like, we can't tank because we're too far ahead to tank. And we don't see like a potential like Super Bowl winning situation because most of our players are, are injured. So it's like we're kind of stuck in the middle, and are we you, have to, to wait until the end of the season to see. All right, where are we now? I mean, Justin, here's the thing though: the NFL, at least in the AFC, for the most part this year, it's kind of been a crapshoot. I mean, the NFC, you do see the Cardinals having a good record. The Bucks are obviously going to be themselves, but for the most part in the AFC, you know, you typically don't see you know, the top seed in that division, having that, having that spot until like, you, the, you, well, you, you don't typically see the top seed rather in the, in the standings in the conference, having four losses or even something remotely like that until, you know, the last week of the season is when you see teams with that many losses. We are, we're seeing teams right now, you know, still with a month to play football with four to five losses and contention for the conference title, which, you know, is really just unprecedented. So mm-hmm. I, at the same time, the, the entire AFC has been kind of a crapshoot. So the Ravens, obviously there's still of all the years for them to kind of have a chance in hell. This is kind of the year for it because there's so much just mobility going on in the league right now. I know, but I'm not particularly happy about my last five, like the last five games we have have the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Packers and the Rams coming up. Mm -hmm. I want, I want that Cincinnati one. I think we're going to get it based off. They beat us. And I think we can get that one back. The Steelers win is going to be at the bank, so I think we can get that. So I think that's 10 wins right there. Mm-hmm. 
the Rams one is going to be difficult because we have no corners to defend Cooper Cup. Yeah. That, nor Odell Beckham either. So, mm. and then there's, geez, Cleveland. We got Cleveland coming up. I think we're fine because if you limit the ground game, you're going to have to ask Baker to beat you. And I think injury riddled Baker can't do it right now. Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't say certainty because we just lost our top corner. So it's like uh, it's going to be very interesting down the stretch. But if we somehow make the playoffs and even take the one seed, it's like, OK, where do we go from here? We may get to the divisional round, but it's like who who do we face? Because depending on who we face, I do not like the matchups. Mm. This Ravens team is so injury depleted mm-hmm. that, to be honest, none of these games are are really games that you could look at and say they should win this game. They I, honestly, I don't see. I'm not gonna say I'm I'm not saying that they they're not going to win any mm-hmm. more games or they that they shouldn't be favored. They should certainly be favored to beat Cleveland, and they no. could make a case they should be favored to beat. They should be favored to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. The problem is it's going to be a battle for all of them. And you can see them losing the majority of these games coming up. And it you got to feel bad for this Ravens team because they've just been hit so hard with the injury bug that you have – it's such a – they have such a long shot that they'll make a deep playoff run, let alone – let alone ma- manage to hang on to a, t- a high playoff spot. They may end up barely making the playoffs. I mean, I mean, Adam, you, you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals as if there's still the Marvin Lewis Bengals that we've watched for, you know, over 17 years. Unfortunately, this, this bank, even the Bengals, like that's not really even a guarantee anymore. You know, we used to look at the Bengals and basically say, oh, they're the Bengals. You'll kill them on TV. And sometimes like they would get you every now and then, but it was most likely you're going to take down the Bengals. Now, while I know it could be more difficult for division opponents, that was still even the case when they would face the Ravens. Now Joe Burrow's actually kind of turning it up and Jamar Chase and their connections actually been kind of solid. So it actually kind of, it actually kind of points to a, to a tougher road ahead because Frankly, you can't look at the Bengals like like many of us in our generation have for so many years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they, it's not really – the Bengals aren't the Bengals of old. I mean they haven't been great lately, but we see what yeah. they're capable of. We see that Joe Burrow is certainly much better than Andy Dalton was during those days when they were – when they were good and they have much better receiving weapons, no disrespect to AJ Brown whatsoever, but T Higgins, Jamar chase, Tyler Boyd. I mean, that's a, that's a three headed monster right there. I can't let that one slide because in their primes, they had AJ green, Marvin Jones and Tyler (laughs) Boyd all on one team. Oh, you mean Muhammad Sanu and Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, but that wasn't, I think this is better. I do. Well, I yeah, think yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because AJ, AJ Brown was not at AJ that point. In, sorry, Green. sorry, AJ Green. AJ Green to this point in his career was to that point in his career was not nearly as good as Jamar Chase is now. Jamar Chase, right? Receiver. What's that? AJ Green was a thousand yard receiver. Okay. Yeah. AJ Green was literally top ten. Jamar Chase is in top ten right now. You don't think you don't think Jamar Chase is top ten right now? A top I mean, ten receiver? A no, I don't. It's a debate, but I can't clear cut say he's top ten. It's close, but back then I'm talking about when Tyler Boyd was present. AJ Green he, was not top Tyler, ten. He was just he was it was he was around 
I think he was around like the top 15. He was around uh, Muhammad Sanu, Marvin Jones, and AJ Green. This is comparable. I think it, I think this is better, and the quarterback's certainly better, isn't he? Yeah, I would argue that Burrow's more explosive. All right, we're get we're but, we're running yeah. a little behind schedule talking about these Ravens, but we just we're, we talked a lot about this team that lost the first seed. Yeah. Now we're gonna move on to talk about the team that gained the first seed from them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Our, New England Patriots. We'll talk about them <laughs> next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio. I'm Adam Wright with Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros, and guest Brian Costu. And now the New England Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 14 to 10 in an absolute rock fight with those conditions out there. But they put themselves in the driver's seat for the number one seed. And so how do we feel about the chances of New England retaining their spot atop the AFC? Brian? Uh, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm nervous about them right now. I, I like the potential that they've shown over the last seven games. Obviously, uh, they've come up from the pit to despair of where I thought this team was going. They were two and four early in the season, barely gutting out wins against the Houston Texans. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be an ugly one because I was looking at the schedule. I was like, there's no way. There's no way we're going to be able to compete with the way we're playing. And we've been able to miraculously have an amazing seven-game stretch so far. And I can't lie to you and say that I'm not grateful for that and incredibly pleased with the way that we've performed so far. But at the same time, this team and the way they've performed and the breaks that we've gotten, it is eerily similar in my mind to the 2019 Patriots, where we started off on an amazing 8-0 run. Our defense was known as the boogeyman defense. We're having, you know, showboating all over the field, saying we're all this and that. And then we ended up going into Baltimore during Lamar Jackson's MVP year, and we got shelled. And it only, and it basically started a, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of tumbling effect after that. And we still finished the year 12 and four in most year in most situations, 12 and four would win the division, but we ended up blowing a game to Miami and on the last day of the season and ended up costing us the uh, number one seed went on to lose to the Titans and the rest is history. So I think that, I think that the, that this team unfortunately hasn't really been tested enough. And again, that's not their fault. They, they, they faced the Bucs and the Cowboys early in the season when they were trying to find their identity and, you know, had some good, had played some good games against them. Unfortunately came out on the bad side of them, but so far, a lot of the teams that they faced have been injured. And again, not, this doesn't, this isn't exactly anything on them. I think I just want to see them, you know, I want to see them face this Colts team coming out, coming out of the bye week And then I also want to see how they fare against the bills at Gillette and hopefully more normal weather conditions. Hopefully there isn't a freaking hurricane going on outside the next time they play. And we can see, all right, bills are going to bring their best. Pats are going to bring theirs. Who's the better team at the end of the day. And I want to see how that turns out because so far, I feel like we really haven't gotten a chance to see Mac Jones and this Patriots team in a legit situation where they need to gut out a win. This is an interesting one. I mean, I don't know why. Well, I'm a huge Pats fan and all, but I'm not entirely sold. I mean, when you look at who they have left, they have a bye this week. Then they play Indy, and jo- what, or should I say they play Jonathan Taylor, you know, best running back <laughs> in the league right now. Some people are giving them MVP love. They are playing Carson Wentz, CJ. They're playing Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, no, no, no. They're playing Jonathan Taylor. Don't you forget it. 
then there's Buffalo again, this time in New England. And the only game I would call a shoe-in is Jacksonville because Jacksonville. But then, they, then we go to Miami and, you know, there must be like some sort of mental block there because no matter what, they haven't won in Miami since like 2016 when they beat uh, Atlanta in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, like, there's like a mental block. So, you know, CJ, I don't know what it is. I've been to Miami for one of those Pats Miami games. It was actually back in 2015. Well, basically New Year's Day 2016 when the game was played. And it was the game where they ran the ball with Steven Jackson like 30 times and ended oh, yeah. up bossing us the number one seed. I don't know, man. There's just some bad juju down in Miami, and I don't get what it is. But there's no, just... I'm telling you, it's a mental block. I hate to say it about Bill, but it's a mental thing. It really yeah. is. It, it really is. It's I mean, like we gotta win, we gotta win. And it's just it's, no matter what. It's a. I really think it's a mental thing. I really do. For the most part, though, it's it's really only become something that has become a mental block in the in the second half of what became the Patriots dynasty. Because I mean, I remember what you know they would lose in Miami every now and then, but you watch games during that era where Brady had Moss and all those guys, and they went down there and they would just smoke the Dolphins, and it wasn't really a thing. It didn't really become kind of a pattern of oh oh Miami is kind of a wild card until after until after you know we ended up beating the Seahawks and we went on that run of winning the other of winning the other Super Bowls of our dynasty. And I I don't know what it is, but I I think it's just. Because with this with the second dynasty, there weren't as many solidified pieces like the Brewskis and other guys like that that weren't here from the original time. I think there were yeah. more that were brought in. And maybe it's just like not having that solidified core is, you know. Wait a minute. Off. Hold on. I just realized when we had Antonio Brown, that was the last time I went to Miami. Yeah, but that was that. that, that again, that was yeah, part okay, 2019. Yeah. That was that was like the one kind of uh, off thing. I mean, it's not that we yeah. haven't won in Miami. We have, but it, unfortunately, the games that we lose in Miami are some of the most con- consequential games. Yeah. So, look, like I said, there's that. You can never count out the Dolphins in Miami. They have Buffalo again. They have Indy, and then there's Jacksonville, who are just kind of there, hopefully, yeah. to beat up on. Hopefully, they don't play up to us, or we play down to them. But I mean. I'm not gonna say like, I'm just, I'm not gonna put my stamp on it and say that they're gonna keep the one seed, but I will say I do like their chances over Baltimore and Tennessee because you know Baltimore we just talked about is injured, and guess what? So is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I mean I do feel like we've got a good chance unless the Chiefs can pull a winning streak out of their butt. I mean. I mean, it shouldn't be that terrible for us, but only time will tell. I do think we have a better chance than most, but really, our we control our own destiny, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. They do control their own destiny. The problem is they have to face the Colts. Well, again, Jonathan Taylor is a man possessed right now. He's unstoppable. Yeah. Um, you have to face the Bills again, and you have to face Miami at Miami. You guys should have won that game against Miami the first time in week one. But the fact that you guys let that game slip away means that it's going to be a struggle in Miami for you guys to win that one. And Miami's on a roll themselves because I think they're on a four-game winning streak too. All right. I know it's easy to say, but look at who Miami's beaten. It's a five-game winning streak, but they beat they beat the Ravens. Yeah, so I can't talk. Oh. 
They beat us. So I, it's like, all right, I want that game back, but I can't have it back. I'll have to accept that. Anyway, so I think it's only a matter of time to see where they are. They have a bye week, so they're secure for this week. But in due time, they will have to face other competition. And then we'll see where they are from there. Since Tennessee and Baltimore are heavily injured right now, I believe they have the best chance of keeping the number one overall seed. Even if Kansas City somehow wins out, I think it's the Patriots to lose, considering where they're positioned at. That means I think either ten, I think Tennessee will lose a couple of games. I think Baltimore will finish two, and Kansas City will finish three, and Tennessee will finish four. I believe somehow, some way, Mac Jones has been the best rookie, maybe outside of Jamar Chase. He's been playing phenomenally these past couple of games outside of the Buffalo game, but it's not really his fault. The weather conditions were horrendous so horrendous in fact the Patriots had to rush 32 straight times before they passed the ball again which is impressive (laughs) so overall I like the Patriots chances and it hurts me it hurts me to say that um I think they will I think keep the number one overall seat but again the AFC has been very competitive so we'll see so looking at this, these standings right now, as I, I have the playoff picture in front of me, out of the teams here, the only kind of the only teams that I the only team that I really see taking the one seed from the Patriots right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Baltimore Ravens are way too injured, as are the Tennessee Titans. The Los Angeles the Chargers, they lost too many games. Same with the same same with the Bengals, and they may not even win their own division. Uh, let alone the Chargers, who still have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the most healthy team, along with the Patriots. So what it comes down for me is which of these games they're is which of these games remaining that they're going to win. So they have the Colts coming up. They have the Bills, Jaguars, Dolphins. If they win these two games against the Colts and the Bills, or just one of the two then I think I'll be sold on this team as a as a Super Bowl contending team and a uh, a team that will that will remain in the number one spot. I'm still a little bit skeptical because I like we said, these I mean seven wins in a row is still seven wins. But yeah. so is the so are those eight wins in a row back in twenty nineteen, which were clearly paper wins. And once they faced real competition, they got their teeth kicked in. Yeah. So, yeah. Justin's reminiscing right now because his team act isn't anywhere near where he wants. My it to team's be. in the hospital right now. Give me a chance. I, I know. I, I am kicking a. I am kicking a man while he's down. Oh. So. And Maybe I would we'll like a to chance point next out. Year. Hmm. Also, I, I just want to say that uh, though the Ravens did whip us in that game. We, can, we ourselves can reminisce that the Ravens were one and done that year in the playoffs. So were y'all. Yes, so were so we. Y'all. y'all just left early. Yeah, and you and we didn't have the MVP. Y'all were 12 and 4. Don't stop. No, don't start that. Don't. Yeah, and you had the MVP. Left, the most valuable player to carry you. I mean, well, to be, I mean, to be great, you one, and one person talking at once, please. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, Mr. Wright. Uh, but. But I mean, I mean, at least we didn't have a running back pass for a touchdown on us. 
listen, I'm getting sick and tired of this. I don't understand how Patriots fans can, can talk like they didn't lose to the same team. Oh, we did. We did a pick six for his final pass with the Patriots. We cannot let this slide. All right, am I the only one that thinks that pick six was blatant pass interference? Logan Ryan was draped all over Muhammad Sanu. We all know it. We were all there. We all watched it. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, how is that not a pass? But, you know, it's whatever. That's neither here nor there. Y'all were still down 14-3 to three with zero, barely any time left. Y'all weren't moving the ball at all. Yeah, he's right. He's right. And Every- that – and honestly, that defense really it we it really showed just how just how effective that defense was or ineffective they were. They were obviously still a very good defense, but everybody thought it was this all-time great defense when they were, we were calling them the boogeymen during their during their eight and zero run. They're like this team is this team is historic. They were they were facing terrible competition, mm-hmm. and then we went in. They faced real competition. And they got killed. I think the only real, uh, the only real exception was Stephon Gilmore, who won Defensive Player of the Year. Besides that, it was kind of an overrated defense. Their defense was not that good, and their offense, oh my God, that offense was hard to watch. But we are talking about this Patriots team. So what do we think about this Patriots team, though? I think it's better than that Patriots offense. I think it'll it'll be more sustainable because I think Mac Jones will not screw up the game. And I think they have a consistent enough running game where it's fine and they have better weapons surrounding Mac Jones because I don't know what they gave Tom Brady in 2019, but it was effing horrendous what they did. To it, it was it was effing horrendous. All I know for, for my it's case... It's a shame, too. Yeah. For my case with the Patriots, I'm confident with Mac Jones, but at the same time, a rookie quarterback has never won the Super Bowl. I don't know. Has one even ever appeared? I'm I'm not certain on that, but I know one has never won the Super Bowl. So I'm just like, and I, I think that's for good reason. That's not just some fluke of, of, it, of it being like, oh, all these rookies are put in terrible situations, which I guess I get it. Some rookie quarterbacks are, but it's, it kind of just does show that, hey, like a rookie quarterback, you know, it, it takes a little bit more and it takes some seasoning before you can get something behind you. I wonder if Mac Jones needs a season before he can really elevate and take a team to the next level. That that is something that's just I while while I'm getting more and more confident in this Patriots team, that sole fact that a rookie quarterback has never made it or I believe won a Super Bowl is just still very present in my mind. Mm-hmm. And also, let's talk about the fact that he only threw three passes. I get that the conditions were terrible and you don't want to throw the ball that much. But to only throw the ball three times and to have only thrown the ball once in going into, what was it, halfway into the fourth quarter, yeah. that just shows me how much they don't trust their rookie quarterback yet. Uh, I mean, he has the arm for it. I mean uh, it was kind of in, like, extreme wins. Even Josh Allen only completed half his passes. Yeah, so, I mean, when Josh Allen, who's a fairly competent quarterback, is only completing half his passes, I'm like – I'm honestly fine if you kind of keep a rookie shot away from that because, I mean, it, the the plan of attack was working for us. If things had gone downhill, I mean, it was a close game, but if things had gone downhill, maybe maybe Bill ends up changing the game plan, and, and, and if not, we can speculate on that at a later time. But you look at the way things transpired in that game, and, I, I mean, say Mac Jones goes out there and he only completes like 30% of his passes, throws two picks, and costs the Pats the game. 
feel like that's going to be more of a detriment than anything. So it, it, because the pattern was working and you had an effective game plan out there, I'm I'm fine with the way the game went. I mean, Bill Belichick kind of hinted at it before a game before before the game. He came out wearing a Navy shipman face mask and proceeded to run the ball 46 times. So I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know how the Bills didn't see that one coming. Yeah, but look, if you run the ball, if you throw the ball eight to ten times, that's limiting it. That you know, that's limiting it. But the fact that they only threw it once going into the fourth quarter, you know, I get it. It's a the winds are crazy. You want to limit it, but you couldn't have thrown a few checkdown passes, a few screen plays, done a little bit of that. They didn't do any of that. They just straight up just ran it down the gut. And I remember at the in the fourth quarter. The Bills started to started to stop the run, and there were a few drives where they could have just ended it right then and there and tried to go for a fourth down, but they just kept on they just kept on going. And they started to lose yardage, and there were these plays that just ended up in three and outs. Yeah. The only thing I have to say about that is if they try to do a screen and it goes backwards, that's considered a fumble. So you have to be very careful with that. So just catch the ball. Oh, you know, not even get the chance if the wind doesn't let you catch it. That's what quick passes are for. Just do it. I'm not. I'm not questioning Bill Belichick's run at all. The way the way they structured it, I thought it was a very good game plan. I just thought it was a little bit extreme to the to the extent that they took it. That's all I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is extreme, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Luckily, this isn't college where it's where everything that you do is dependent on how many points you get. It is, you know, unless it comes down to like some super tiebreaker. But in most cases, it just comes down to wins and losses. So if if Bill Belichick had done this and proceeded to lose like 21 to seven, I'd have many, many concerns and questions and be I'd be very critical of him. But obviously he was able to manage a lot of things on the defense. And luckily we were able to kind of get out ahead of it and manage to get the dub. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. So we talked a little bit about the Patriots. Now let's talk about the team that they beat coming (laughs) up. The Buffalo Bills are potentially in a little bit of trouble. We'll get into that next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio. I'm Adam Wright along with Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros, guest speaker Brian Costa. I'll get it right this time. And hey. yeah, you like that? But uh, it's the first time in a long time, man. I don't think I've ever gotten it right. I've always thought it was Costa. Eh, but that's... the Buffalo Bills have now fallen to the last wild card spot. With a seven and five record, so the playoff picture, they're literally at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They, and on top of that, next week they have the Buccaneers, and then they have the Patriots in a few more weeks. So, do we see the Bills turning us, their season around here and surviving this sequence? I don't think they have a choice. <laughs> I don't think they have a. It's either they turn it around, or sooner or later you'll start to see some other teams sneak ahead of them, like Pittsburgh or the Chargers or or even Cleveland if they're not careful. So, so the Bills are in a bad situation. They're 7-5. and five. They're still in the playoffs, but they have tough matchups ahead with the uh, the Buccaneers and the Patriots. If they lose those two games, they bump to at potentially 10-7 and because I don't think they'll lose to the Panthers, nor the Falcons, nor the Jets. So 10-7. and seven. Now, normally, 
I think that would make you get into the playoffs. But depending on tiebreakers, I think it might not be enough to make, to be guaranteed a playoff spot because of the way the AFC is this year. I don't know who will finish first. I don't know who will get the last playoff spot. That's just the way things are right now. So the way the Bills are, I think they just had a tough like outing weather-wise with the game against the Patriots, and we'll see what a true matchup will look like in better weather inclement or conditions. And so I think the only thing I'm concerned with, can they, can the offense sustain drives and get points? Can the defense recover after losing Tredavious White? Outside of that, um, I, I guess the, they will have to start winning more now in order to secure a playoff spot. Uh, I guess I'll take it then. Buffalo, <laughs> and I'm going to put it nicely, they're in trouble. And I, I really do think so. I mean, let's take a gander at their schedule, shall we? They're in Tampa. Mm-hmm. That That could be deadly. Then they host Carolina. They should win. Then yep. they're in New England. Uh, that could go either way. Then they host Atlanta, they should win. They host the Jets, they, they should win. But there are two games that if they drop the Tampa and New England game, I genuinely don't see them winning. If they lose twice to the Patriots, unless the Patriots lose out the rest of the way, then I don't think they would make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if they lose both games, they're not winning the AFC East. But if they lose to Tampa... I mean, I don't know. They would need, like, a lot to go wrong, but I genuinely don't. Also, I would now like to call into question Sean McDermott's coaching because you have, like, a decent team. You have Stephon Diggs, ooh, Cole Beasley, uh, MVP-caliber quarterback in yeah. Josh Allen. And what and what are you doing? Nothing. You're 7-5. and five. Now, look, I know every contender has a few losses – that you have no business losing. Like usually it's like one loss is just embarrassing. Yeah. But they lost embarrassing fashion to Indy where Jonathan Taylor just ran up and down on them. They lost to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. God damn Jacksonville. You where you didn't score a touchdown. Indy's a good team. And then, no, no, I, I know, I know, but Buffalo was still favored to win that game, is my point. Yeah. And then you lose to New England, who ran the ball 32 times in a row. And the team on the night averaged 5.2 yards a carry. And you were stacking the box almost every play, and you couldn't stop it. Yeah, I think it's time to call into question Sean McDermott's coaching, at least for this year. And then McDermott, just sore loser that he is, is like, mm, let's not give Bill Belichick too much credit. Buddy, you're getting out coached. You have like three, and if you want to go back to week one where Pittsburgh upset them, you have, like, four like four out of your five losses have come in embarrassing fashion. You should be embarrassed, and I genuinely don't see them. And if New England beats you one more time, I genuinely think it's over for your hopes of winning the AFCs. Then your best shot is the wild card. And they're not even a shoo-in for the wild card, I don't think. They need to right the ship fast. Yeah. They they need to win because the Colts are coming up. The Chargers, I mean, the Colts are on their way. The Chargers are on the way. The Browns are on the way. So they need to be very careful of these next few weeks. I agree. So I think that 
no matter what, I think that one way or another, we're going to see a big shift in this Buffalo Bills team. And it's going to be one of those two extremes. And it's because, like like you said, CJ, you saw the end of that game where McDermott and those two corners, I believe, ended up going up on the podium. And I believe it was Micah Hyde and then then Poyer, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. Poyer. Yeah, and join Pointer. Pointer, my bad. Yeah, so they're up on the podium, and they're complaining. They're talking about, like, things that aren't going their way. You know, you saw McDermott saying, let's not give Belichick all this credit. And whether you want to or not, you you have a right to say that your team didn't play well that night. They didn't. You guys didn't execute in areas that you needed to. But this is either going to go one of two ways. This is, e- this is either going to be a wake-up call to where they end up saying, all right, we, all right, we got – you know, we got it, you know, taken to us by this rookie quarterback who only passed three times and we couldn't end up beating them for the life of us. Or this is going to go the way I think most typical things go with the Buffalo Bills when they face any sort of adversity and they're going to fall off a cliff because that's just what happens with the Buffalo Bills when they face adversity. Last year, they didn't need to worry about the New England Patriots challenging them for the AFC East throne. But now they finally actually have someone that's going to put a little bit of pressure on them. And what happens to the Bills and frankly, any other team in the AFC East when pressure is put on them, they fold under pressure. And I think that I think in their minds, having a rookie quarterback that just that just beat them in their own stadium in a freaking hurricane. And now they have to go down to Tampa and face the guy that was that the guy that gave them nightmares for 20 years and Tom Brady. I think it's I, I think it's just the nail, the final nail in the coffin for him. And but personally, regardless of what of how you feel about this team, you're going to see a change. This isn't just going to be them coasting from here on out and they make it in with, you know, you t- you add on the extra game and it's like a so-and-so record or like uh, a 10 and eight or a 10 and nine record or, or a nine or like a nine and seven back, not 10 and nine, my bad, a 10 and eight record rather 10 and seven. It's not going to be like that. You're it's, there's going to, they're either going to excel and go and go beyond it, or you're going to see kind of a drop off. So this team is, so they might make the playoffs at maybe 10 and seven, 11 and six possibly, but you know, I don't see them – that team that we saw last year that went 13-3, and three, that's not a real team. They're gone. They're, that team's gone. If it, if, it, if it did exist, if this is the same team just facing adversity and cracked – They're posers. Then they're, they're posers or that team just frauds. doesn't – is gone. They're just frauds. One, a one-hit wonder. But you, there's, no, there, there's no chance in hell they're beating the Buccaneers. And even if you beat – even if you beat New England the second time, which they very well could, they're still they still have a chance. They're not taking the AFC East by doing that. <laughs> so, so I really think that they around the bottom of that playoff picture, they're there to stay. That's just there's not really any there's not much more to it. You know, they're gonna they're probably gonna beat the Jets, who they're facing mm-hmm. soon. They're probably gonna beat the Falcons. They have. They're most likely going to beat the uh, the Panthers over there, but those two games against New England and the Buccaneers, you know, those are tough games, and I I don't see them winning both. The Buccaneers are hell no, no way in hell they're beating them. My issue with this is, it's not completely out because they still have to face the Patriots again, and the Patriots still have to face Miami again, so it's not like. They still have to face Buffalo and they still have to face Miami. So it's possible they could lose that because the Patriots always have this thing of losing in Miami. And it's quite possible they could also lose to Buffalo, which means they could finish like 
11 and 6. And if Buffalo finished 11 and 6, depending on who has the better record in the division, Buffalo could actually overtake them and actually earn a play a home field or home playoff game. So it all depends on these final couple of games. If New England beats B- Buffalo, then I think it does promptly put it the door shut on them. But if Buffalo right. beats them, then they still have a chance at this. I don't think they'll f- beat Tampa, but the rest of the games are very winnable. And well, so what's your definition of nails in the coffin? Is it as in making the playoffs or like being in like, like getting, Super Bowl contenders? Winning the division. That's what I mean. If they lose to New England, I don't think they can win the division at that point. I See, think I think they, I think that ship sailed already. I don't. So you, you don't think you don't think that even if they win that game, that there's no. I mean, how else are they going to get it again? My, you would have to beat Miami. The New England Patriots would have to beat Miami, which you guys already lost to. So it could be plausible you guys lose to Miami again in Miami, who's on a little hot streak right now, winning five games. So I could see that likely happening. So it could possibly the Bills could win, lose one game to the Bucks, which we're all expecting to happen, and still end up with maybe a third or fourth seed with a home playoff game. The Patriots somehow looking from the outside in in the wild card round and may have to face the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. We don't know how this season will turn out because it's the AFC. It's really competitive this season. And so when I look at this team, they have bits and pieces, and yes, they do struggle a bit. When, but overall, their defense is actually fairly competent, out, even though they did lose uh, Tredavious White. That that game, most of their runs, 41% of their yards came from three runs, and one of them was a 65-yard touchdown. So the defense is about even with New England, I would say, at this point. And their secondary probably, in some ways, you can say is better. I don't. I think J.C. Jackson is better than anything at corner that uh, right. that Buffalo yeah. has right now. Now that Tre'Davious White's out out of the picture, they might have them at at safety because they have one of the best safety duos in the league in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Mm-hmm. But uh, the rushing game, the rushing defense is about about the same. And honestly, at at pass rush with Matt Judon back there. Wreaking havoc. Mm-hmm. Advantage New England there. Say so I'd say it's about it's about so so. It's about even right now. But I can still see them matching up with New England and still beating them. It all depends on what New England does. They do control their own destiny. The problem is they still have to face the Colts, they still have to face the Bills, and they still have to face Miami again. Three teams that they might lose to, and we all can see them losing to. It's not out of the realm of possibility of them lose of them losing to these three teams and being out of the first seeded spot. So it all depends on what the Patriots do. But Buffalo can win out, well, outside of the Bucks, They can win out because these are all winnable games. They're not losing to the Jets. I don't think they're that incompetent. They're not losing to the Falcons either. And I don't think they'll lose to Carolina. What it comes down to is the Patriots game. If they can win that game, then all they have to do is see how well the Patriots do in Miami, which they always struggle in. And then, depending on the way the conference lines up, I'm not sure how many conference, I mean, how many division wins they have, but if they have more than the Patriots, they'll take that. If they both finish 11 and 6, the Bills will have it and they will have a home playoff game. So it's not over yet, but they de- definitely felt like they should have had this one. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to lose all three of those of those games, the Patriots. They could lose one or two, maybe. 
Two mm. maybe, but yeah. two. I would say two and one is the more likely scenario. They go twelve and five, and that's what that's what winds up happening with New England. You know, and they lose one game, and maybe that costs them the one seed to to Kansas City. But that's about it. They would be eleven and six because they're eight and four. They're nine and four now. If they lose it twice, they they'd be ten and like eleven and six. Eleven and yeah, so they're nine. So if they lose two games, if they lose two games, yeah, that leaves their final record at eleven and six. If they lose one game, that's twelve and five. That's what I'm saying. I think. In the out of the games, we're, I love how we're not counting Jacksonville, but you you can't. I'm sorry. If, if we lose if we lose to Jacksonville, we deserve to get waxed in the playoffs. I'm sorry. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's exactly that's a slam dunk. But if you if you go two and one in those games in the games that matter outside Jacksonville, then that's twelve. That's a twelve and five record, and most likely at least the number two seed, if not the one. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility New England could lose two out of three or all three of those games because you guys struggle against Miami in Miami. You guys still have to face the Bills, who are not an easy opponent, and the Colts are coming on strong. They just dismantled the Titans, no problem. I know it's the – I mean, not the Titans, the Texans. I know we're saying it's the Texans, but it's hard to get a shutout, and they shut them down 31-0. That was early on in the season, though. Back when the back when the Patriots were experiencing turbulence, sorry turbulence, and you know they had they threw together this whole new team. The defense was struggling, the offense was struggling. Mac Jones looked like a rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, of of course they were going to struggle early on, but they've kind of found their groove after that Jets game where they just killed the Jets. That was kind of a get right game for them. Then they beat the then they beat the the Panthers. Then they beat the Chargers. Then the and then the Browns. And it just went on from there, and now they've kind of figured things out. I just think it's a different team from then. But by that same token, how can you say that about the Patriots and not say the same about the Dolphins? They struggled. I think they lost like seven games in a row, and now they're on a five-game winning streak. I don't know how we can say that about the Patriots and then not give the Dolphins at least some credit. Because because New England's definition of a slow start is two and four. That's, that's, that, that's reasonable. When you start one and seven, that's not on accident. They're just they're just in a good a nice little hot streak. They had a nice little token win, when they uh, if you will with the with the Ravens. Besides that, I mean, I just think it's kind of fool's gold with Miami. They're playing well, but I don't. They're they may be better than one and seven, but I sure as hell do not believe they are a playoff team. I'm not saying they're a playoff team. I'm not counting them as far as playoff teams. What I'm telling you is, for whatever reason. You guys struggled against the Dolphins in Miami, regardless if they're a playoff team or a playoff contender or not. So what I am telling you is it is fairly possible for you guys to lose to that team in Miami. So we can't just go past that and think, oh, it's not possible. You guys can most definitely lose against the Colts. You guys can most definitely lose against the Bills. So that's all I'm saying about it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but these are all possibilities that can happen. I'm not going to say you guys are losing to Jacksonville. Y'all don't. If y'all lose to Jacksonville, just just give up. Sure, I'll, unlikely I'll, but if possible. Lose to Jacksonville, I'll call it a year. I, I'm sorry. What if they lose to Jacksonville and then go on to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, can you really call it a Super Bowl win at that point? Well, that's the regular season, man. They've lost some. Yeah, but you lost to Jacksonville. 
In 2018, they lost to the Lions, who were not a good team that year. Just saying. Mm-hmm. All right, we we are really behind, so we are going to move on to the to Week 13, Sunday's best game of the week. The Lions, they finally get a win. That's next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. I'm Adam Wright, Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros, Brian Costu, our guest. And we are on to our Week 13 Sunday's Best Game of the Week. And this was Lions-Vikings. Now, this was an absolute thriller, which happened here. Uh, so the game started off. It was The first the first quarter was somewhat was fairly quiet. You know, the Vikings started off with a 6-0 lead. That's It was nothing. Then in the second quarter, really just the Lions really took off with a 20 to, to with a 20 to nothing run in just in the uh, in the second quarter. And they took a 20 to six lead into halftime. Then in about halfway through the third quarter, the Vikings started to chip away and eventually took the lead 27, 23 with about a minute 27 remaining off of a turnover by Goff. When they were going for it on fourth and one deep in uh, deep in Detroit territory, Goff got strip sacked. They scored a touchdown off that, took the lead. Uh, so the Lions in, immediately responded. They drove down the field, and in the final seconds, as time expired, Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown. They take the lead. They win on a walk off. And the Lions, they win their first game. They will not go winless. I just got to say, it's it would be very sad to have their imperfect season be a tie. It's like, <laughs> it's 0-16-1. Like, they, you didn't lose every game, but you didn't win anything either. Yeah. So, guys, what are your thoughts on this game here? I mean, I guess I, I can go first with this, and I can just say that uh, to my friend Miles Crone, who I'm Brian Camp. He goes to Bryant with me. Uh, he's a Lions fan. Unfortunately, I feel terrible for him. Uh, and I, I, I'm so happy that that man was finally able to see his football team win this year. I'm very glad for him. And uh, while I've made my case against the Detroit Lions, I think that with the way they've played over the past couple of years, I think they should get their Thanksgiving rights uh, revoked from them. I think that unfortunately their franchise just needs to see some rapid change uh, changes undergo, whether that's ownership or whatnot. Uh, while I have my, while I don't exactly like them, I am I'm happy for the fans that they finally got to see a win this year. I am so happy for Coach Dan Campbell. I really am. He's actually a good coach stuck on a terrible team. I mean, his scheming isn't awful. The plays he draws up aren't awful. In fact, some of his play calling has been really good. It's just that. He really doesn't have anyone who can execute. He is no one who can go out and make the play. Mm-hmm. And and they somehow beat the Vikings. They almost blew it. They tried hard, but then they realized that it's good to win football games. And they actually like, did it. And and huh? I said who I said who could have figured? It's fun to win football. I know, right? Yeah, I, I know. D- Detroit kind of need they, they need they need to be taught that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel that, you know, obviously some big roster changes have to be made because when Amon Ross St. Brown is your best receiver, you have issues. You really do. 
and it's just I don't know. Even though they have a good coach in Campbell, I gen I honestly don't think the future is bright for them. I really don't. I mean, I know they have a GM and all, and they've got a good GM, and they've got like high draft picks. We have to remember the Ford family owns the Lions are about as incompetent as incompetent gets. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath from Lions fans. But you know what? Take your win. Enjoy your win. You've earned it. It's really all you can do, unfortunately. The only thing I got to say to that is they can – I think they can progress because they can't go anywhere else. I mean, the sky's the limit when you're on the ground floor. Uh, but will they get off the ground floor? Uh, yes, I think they'll have – under Dan Campbell, I think they'll get better players through the draft and hopefully through free agency where it's like, okay, they'll have like two or three more wins. Um, I'm happy for them. Congratulations for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions for finally winning the, their first game, especially against a divisional rival like the Vikings. I don't know what the Vikings were doing on the final play. I don't know why they just allowed the receiver to get into the end zone and let him catch the ball. If he's if he gets close to the end zone, I'm putting my hands on him to make sure he doesn't have a chance to catch this. And I still can't believe Jared Goff got his first one without Sean McVay on a walk-off touchdown. <laughs> that, now Detroit are going to say that Jared Goff is clutch. Let's calm down. He had a good game, but that was just either terrible play calling or just terrible management by the players on the field. There's no way he should have had that much cushion in in the end zone and allowed that ball to be caught. I'm happy for the Detroit Lions. I'm happy for Dan Campbell to, like, say, to give the win to the families of the Oxford community. I felt like that was very touching. But overall, I think, I think the sky's the limit for them because they can't go anywhere but up, considering their situation. You okay? I mean, I don't. This is a. This is a great win for the team. I'm so happy for the Lions. And just watching Dan Campbell jumping for joy, watching Jared Goff running. The first person he runs to is is the, the head coach. And all of this happening in the direct aftermath, in the wake of the, the, tragedy, the tragic events that went on at, uh, at the Oxford High School in – the Michigan area and the fact that he dedicated the the game ball to those who are uh, suffering in the, in the wake of what happened, it was just all, it just couldn't have been scripted better. And it, I mean, it's great. You know, I'm hearing so much from all of these, all these sarcastic fans who are saying who needs a Super Bowl win when you could just win one game during the season and celebrate like it's a Super Bowl. It's just abs- it was just absolutely incredible to watch. I was kind of watching on my phone while I was uh, right before I was broadcasting a game doing pre uh, pregame shows for a hockey game and just seeing that happen it was just incredible. Twitter blew up. There was Bra- Adam Schefter saying breaking news D- Detroit Lions won a football game. There's no I don't even want to get analytical with this. Like be like break down how that happened and why the Let's just enjoy the fact that the the Detroit Lions just won a football game and Dan Campbell got himself a win in such a disaster of a season. I agree. I'm happy for him. Just an incredible, incredible game. Maybe I'm overhyping it, 
but mm. you know we'll we'll wait for the Super Bowl and then we'll we'll have something to really overhype, especially a certain matchup that I would love to see coming Not up. Happening. We're gonna talk Not about happening. that later. Not happening, but okay. We're we're we'll we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but we we do want to move on to our next. Oh wait, that is our next topic, which is a possible Super Bowl matchup that has been called by um, some some betters as a as the most likely Super Bowl matchup to happen. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Oh, brother. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back. I'm Adam Wright, Justin Tucker with CJ Medeiros and special guest Brian Costu of the Down to the Wire podcast. And so Tom Brady is now the odds-on favorite for league MVP. Bill Belichick, the odds-on favorite for coach of the year. And both of their teams are at or near the top of their conference. The Buccaneers are about third, but they're in, they're in, they're, uh, they're, uh, sorry, they're, they're certainly in contention for the one seed, but guys, so hear me out. How do, how would we feel? And we'll start with the Patriots fans so we can get the pessimism of, of the Ravens fan, the salty Ravens fan, Justin Tucker later. How do we feel about a possible Patriots Buccaneers Super Bowl? Uh, well, you know, I'll go first. I would be happy. I would, but only if we win, because I could not stomach a loss to that team on that platform. And Adam, you and I have talked about this. I know we have wildly different views, but I think they would try to rig it for Brady. But but you think they don't, and I understand why you think that. But but if we won, I, I would only be genuinely happy if we won. I will not accept any other outcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, most likely, most like other Super Bowls, I'm not gonna be happy unless we win. But I don't know. I I I feel like the ratings of this game would be all right. You know, across national TV, I think I think they would be okay. I mean, what what do you guys think? Do you think the ratings would be all right? Mm-hmm. This would be the yeah. most hyped up Super Bowl. Probably since what what would we what would we give it since probably since Patriots Seahawks when exactly. that, that game had that game was the most watched television event in TV in U.S. history exactly this so, would be I mean just think about sorry I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you continue and then I'll I'll go on so yeah this is gonna be if if this was to happen it would I, I talked about it on my show. This would break any TV record that you've ever seen before. Screw any movie. Screw any whatever. Everyone in the world, regardless of whether you watch football or, or know anything, you know about the about the falling out that happened with the Patriots. You know about the history of the Patriots dynasty. And whether you love it or you hate it, seeing this matchup is anything that any, anyone could talk about. I mean, this is literally WWE stuff if they were to make the Super Bowl and play against each other. I mean, listen, we already know the NBA is rigged. I mean, the, the 2002 Western Conference Finals against the Kings and the Lakers proved that the NBA is rigged, but we still watch it because, I don't know, seeing the games live and seeing Jason Tatum do his thing is still fun. But those games are rigged. If they actually, if these teams actually make it to the Super Bowl legitimately, I, I have to call that into question. I, I've had to defend myself against people saying, oh, no, the NFL isn't rigged. It's just how it goes. But at this point, if, if they're to make it to the Super Bowl, I 
you you can't not question it at this point. This this Super Bowl, not only would these two teams be facing each other, they're also facing each other in Los Angeles of all places, the city of stars. Is where is where this game is going to be happening. And then also they have the record breaking halftime show with Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and then others just uh, performing at this thing. I mean, you want to talk about a television blockbuster. There's no bigger, right? There's no bigger blockbuster that you could have than this. Absolutely. This, this, just... is, this is, this is it. And, and Adam, like, like not even the preface, like, this would be it. Like, this is like the pinnacle of television. I don't know anything that could physically top this. Just think about the storylines that would happen, that would just transpire through this game. You have 20 years of dominance with these two together. Tom Brady leaves in his first year, in his first year without the team, he wins a Super Bowl. Then the very next year, when Bill Belichick retools goes right back to the Super Bowl, meets up with Tom Brady, who just won league MVP, Bill Belichick's coach of the year, Tom Brady's league MVP. They clash each other. And just imagine if Tom Brady loses and if Bill Belichick wins, he gets the he he is able to strike the empire strikes back. Oh my god. Just think about the headlines, the soap opera the amount of money this the league would make if this happens like it would just be this is something that will be that will be th- mentioned through league history for the rest of our lives we'll be ta- we'll be telling our kids about this matchup if this happens this would be the most groundbreaking thing there's no other matchup that i want there's nothing i want more than for this to happen do I have to speak on this? Because I damn sure don't want this to happen. I'm going to make that perfectly clear. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be involved in it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch the Patriots and Tom Brady in the same Super Bowl at one time. No, I don't want to see it. Ugh, you guys just talking about it makes me sick. It is ridiculous that I am surrounded by Patriots fans that want to see this. The only reason CJ wants to see it is, in ca- is because he wants to see his Patriots win. That is it. Oh no! I want to see the Patriots win. There's no, there's nothing in my mind. I don't want to. If if Brady goes out there and wins, I'm gonna be sick to my stomach. I'm like, Amen. I'm not like. There's nothing in like. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like. I'm not. If Brady goes into the game, it's screw Brady, go Patriots. Like, there's nothing in that. That like, there's nothing in my mind where where, where I end up saying where I'm saying, ah, oh, but go Brady too. I hope, I hope he he plays a really good game. No, I hope the Patriots put him on, put him on his tail. Like, I I hope they do. So I mean. And feel differently about that. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to. I want the. I want the Patriots to bring it to Brady if if we were to play them in the Super Bowl. I don't want it to be a close game if we were to play them in the Super Bowl. I want it to be the Patriots firmly take control of a game and gut it out. Because if you, because frankly, if you put Brady in a game where he has to like go go out and win it, he's gonna win it because he's just done it so many times. It's it's just second nature to him. So I don't want it to be close whatsoever. But from someone who understands marketing and understands just like the pure economics of it this would be groundbreaking mm-hmm. oh yeah it'd be groundbreaking or right? me breaking my breaking my foot on the ground because i, I don't want to watch it i'd be in so much misery just because i know i'll be next to adam saying go patriots let's go patriots and i'm just being like Ugh, why that, am i here is, as someone who's been with adam during a football game that is actually exactly how adam cheers for a football team 
And I'm just I'm, right there, like, please don't do this to me. I don't, we're in public. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. Don't embarrass me. Don't do this. We're, to we're me. at a church. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. Justin. <laughs> hey, Justin. You know, if you broke your foot on the ground, you'd end up joining the Baltimore Ravens at the hospital. Oh, I get an autograph. No. I get an autograph. That's What's that? Me. Oh, yeah. Is that what me. you're going to do? At least they wouldn't doubt my commitment to the team. At least they wouldn't doubt my commitment to the team. I, I'm not happy about this. I'm not going to enjoy this. I hope I don't I hope this game ends in a tie. I don't care. I know it can't end in a tie. I just don't want to be involved in this game. Hopefully the Ravens beat the Patriots in the AFC championship game. Hopefully Green Bay beats the Bucks in the in the NFC championship game. So I don't have to deal with this. Hopefully so I don't have to deal with this. Bold of you to assume that that's going to happen, that the Ravens will make it that far. It's going to be assuming the Patriots will, and you're assuming the Bucks will. I think I think they have the best oper- the bet. Well, according to according to the odds, they have the best chance. They they have the best chance to meet each other in the Super Bowl. Okay, I'm not. Why are you? Why does everybody try to take the odds? The odds. They have seen this year. The odds suck. Okay. Well, who else do you see representing the AFC besides Kansas City? Kansas City, the Ravens, and New England. No. That's it. I and can not see even that. and not even the Ravens. You say that, and then we somehow finish with the first seed. I don't want to hear this. I'm a, right. I'm gonna replay this. The first seed is a lot different than actually representing. I think we AFC. could represent. You think the Patriots could represent? I do. Well, we are healthier. True, but we still have. You guys only have one more win than us, and the same amount of losses. Right, but we're on our way up. You're on your way down. Again, yeah, that's I don't think so. All right, you can you can we'll we'll see how this ends yeah. up playing out. But anyways, we have our fan box coming up next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Eighty Eighteen Radio. I'm Adam Wright. CJ Medeiros, Justin Tucker, special guest Brian Costu of the Down to Down to the Wire podcast, and we are close to the end of our show, which means the Fumble Ruski fan box is upon us. So we post a question box every Monday, and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more, and we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. So the question of the week was, how do we feel about Ben Roethlisberger's career? So as many of you know, going into this week, Ben Roethlisberger decided, he came out and and he has told those closest to him that he's going to be calling it a career after this season is over. And of course, what way to, to announce it than to go out and win the game? Uh, right after saying it, but I really shouldn't have asked this question because the answers I got were a little graphic, and they weren't they weren't that bad. I'll mention them a little, but they were some they were some interesting answers. Hmm. So the first one was pretty was a pretty normal one. It was Robert Shelley, who was our who we've had on our show plenty. And he said, the real question is who had a better career, him or Eli? And to that, I say it's easily, it's easily Big Ben. Um, hmm. 
Hmm. I, I'd say That's a hard one. Nah, I'd say Big Ben. Uh, Eli obviously has the two Super Bowl wins, but but so does Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. And he put I up mean, statistics. Ben Roethlisberger has it, and, yeah. he, and he was able to make the playoffs more than often than just like during his Super Bowl years. When when whenever Eli wasn't making the playoffs or wasn't making the Super Bowl, he wasn't in the playoffs for like besides I think like two other besides like two other postseasons. But Big again, ben has, like, Big Ben obviously has the better overall resume. But when they make the playoffs, they kind of struggle and play down to competition. Like 2015, but you're still getting there. The Giants just didn't do that outside of their Super Bowl years. Yeah, but the, I'm I mean, thinking, that's still a competitive product that's on the field. That isn't nothing. While, while they we finished with two Super Bowl rings. I mean, yeah. I would take so did Big, Big ben. ben over Eli just because more accurate, better arm. And I feel like. Mm-hmm. Eli gets a lot of love because he's a Manning. Yes. Because right. I and guarantee you, if that famous last name was on the back of his jersey, fringe Hall of Fame at best. The <laughs> only I, I I firmly believe that his the vast majority of his uh his Hall of Fame consideration rests on the fact that he beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. Yeah. Like yeah. there's been a lot of bums, bum quarterbacks who have won who've won a Super Bowl and we don't remember them quite as much, let alone say, oh, they're going to the they're going to the Hall of Fame because of it. Eli Manning, he didn't even put up that great statistics during it. He just made some good throws when it mattered and that was really all he did. And but I wouldn't call him a bum. I'm not saying he's a bum, but I'm just I'm just I'm just telling you that He's he's not as his whole Hall of Fame case rests on the fact that he beat Tom Brady twice. When he needed to deliver, he delivered against arguably the greatest football player of all time. Exactly that's like my point. Two points in his career, like that's but that's it. If you can look past that, he really doesn't even have anything. All right, we he's got it against him. All right, all right. So, so Ryan, Ryan DeLongchamp, DeLongchamp said. said Overrated, Overrated and, and a rapist. Ah, uh, well, that's, that's something. Certainly is something. Can't deny it. I mean, that. he kind of did. <laughs> that was. I mean, I'm. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, word on the street is he's very good with kids. Oh, um, stop it. <laughs> All right. You know what? I won't lie. Big Ben just – there were two things Big Ben doesn't know. How to beat the Patriots All right. and the understanding of consent. Oh, God. All right. We need I'm to get glad you, I'm glad you didn't respond to this to this fan box question, CJ. But Patrick, oh, no, Willis, well, I, I, I specifically did not respond for you. I want you to know that. All right, I'll thank thank you, CJ. Patrick Williver said easily Hall of Fame. I think I can agree with that. Yeah, easily Hall. He of probably fame. will. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he'll be in the Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secret Weapons Consulting. By the way, CJ, does, do you know this guy? As a matter of fact, I do. He's very near and dear to me. I'm not going to say who he is, but he's very near and dear to me. Very nice guy. And do, like, one of your parents follow follow us? 
Because I'm pretty sure there's another Madeira. I don't believe so, no. All right, and then maybe it's another. All right, but he's whoever this is says seven out of ten. You agree with this rating? Maybe in his prime. Like out in his career, like to rate his career. Maybe in his prime, but. I mean, Big Ben. I mean, I don't personally view Ben like I never really viewed him as a top three quarterback at any point in his career. He was notorious playoff choker. He he's kind of like the reverse Eli, whereas Eli always had good luck against Tom Brady in the postseason. Big Ben could never catch a break against Tom Brady in the postseason. So I feel like that whereas that would help Eli, this kind of hurts Ben. But honestly, Big Ben. Oh, that's this is hard. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Some would say Hall of Fame. I don't think he should be first ballot, but I think he'll go. But I mean, I feel like he should be like the line of what Hall of Fame is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. All right. So Joey Peduzzi said, Fat Lard, who <laughs> loves men. I'm not even. You oh, know what, Adam? Boy. I'm not even gonna open that. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't touch it either. Brian, I, are you brave enough to touch that? Uh, not with a ten foot pole, no. <laughs> you know what? That's probably smart. You know <laughs> what I will it. say. What I will say though, is he does look like an offensive lineman, yeah. or a pass rusher, just the way he's built. So there's a reason he's hard to sack. He always breaks out of. He's he's a physical guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm pretty sure a bunch of women do that too. <laughs> Are going to get sued. Jeez. All right. No, so no, 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 no. And, and let me just say that's not okay. The fact it happened was not okay. We we someone should probably still do something about this. Of course. Yeah. No. I'm sorry. I can't. All right. Myself. We're we're gonna get away. We're gonna get away from. Uh, ben Roethlisberger and get to something a little more positive. Uh, so the reason geez. I'm not going to say that. So the I know, you, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. That's this is that's it. That's it. The reason our episode is being released at 5 on Thursday on a Thursday is because on today Thursday is a year it was a year ago today when our podcast started so it was me Justin and our old co-host Brian Mucker i was trying to get Robert Shelley on the show he was Wait, guys, Brian's out lot. yeah he's out tonight that's up oh yeah he's he's usually as what a surprise right but i mean it's it's been a it's been a great ride so far. We I've literally been learning how to podcast as we've been going along, and it's it's been a great experience. But Justin, how would you, you want to reflect a little bit on this past year doing this podcast, doing this show? It's been an interesting year, from trying to work through the COVID pandemic to trying to learn how to talk in front of a camera to eventually feeling more comfortable to do this. It's been an interesting transition. Now we actually have to get mics and stuff. And hopefully, like like Brian, a soundboard, because that's amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm so thankful that I did not pay for this thing. This is all being brought to you by Bryant University. Bryant University, inspired to excel. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. This is Dean wow. College stuff right here. Hey, Dean College. We believe in the Dean difference, good sir. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is good. 
There this we is, go. This is a Dean podcast. Yeah. I don't even think Dean has anything like that. They have the radio. They have the radio station, but they don't have. You know, it's rarely available because they have a lot of DJs who kind of are always doing their own thing. So it's never. Yeah. Like we rarely have the opportunity to do talk shows, which is why we're always doing it over teams. But we do have. We do need more equipment right now. So I did get a pop filter from my internship at, at a Rhode Island uh, at a Rhode Island radio station. And the problem is my dog ate my pop filter. So the pop uh, what a pop filter does is see how I'm talking into this and it sounds like this like that. Uh-huh. And I'm literally using my the case for my mic to cover it. That's what I've been doing for the past like three months. Since I, I loved that pop filter, it I was really sounding good. It was awesome. And, and then, then my dog, you should have seen it. There was a trail of just black stuff, a trail of pieces of of pieces of the the pop filter that went from from my room right where right where I do my podcast to his crate. Mm-hmm. Now he's only a year and a half years old, but good lord, does he piss me off sometimes? A year and a half. That's. He's like 10, 10, 10 and six months in human years. Yeah, no, yeah. So one year is seven years in dog years. But anyways, we're talking about the podcast, not that. I thought, anyways, I thought, they, I thought they got rid of dog years because they ended up saying it was like a stupid statistic. And it's pretty accurate because Who's that's they, the dog year police. Yeah, you never heard about them. Nah. It's offensive to dog. No. But oh, anyways, don't get me started on them. But anyways, what ended up happening, how we started this podcast was, I mean, we've always been, as a group, we've always been talking sports, not behind a camera, giving our two cents. And we feel like we, we generally, know, most of the time, know what we're talking about. And we enjoy doing it at the very least. And we've always been saying, well, man, we need to get a podcast going. And we never did. And... I'm going to I'm a sports broadcasting major so I really wanted to do something for that to really start to start to sharpen my speaking skills and to get some get some time behind a mic to work on myself in the in those regards and I one day I was like we need to start this we need to get this going so I talked to my friend Brian I talked to my friend Justin they're like yeah we should do that sometime I'm like yeah I think it was a, a Monday I'm like how about next Tuesday let's record and they're like, oh, really? Right away? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're getting – we got to get this done like because we keep on saying we're going to do it and we never do. And that Tuesday, it was, an, it was the 8th, and we record – we dropped our episode on the 9th, which was a year ago today. Well, today's the 8th when we record. Tomorrow's going to be the 9th. And it was a year ago when we dropped our first episode – and 53 episodes later, here we are, still going, and they haven't shut us down yet. Just we got to make sure we limit those comments about Ben Roethlisberger, don't we? Well, Ben Roethlisberger should have limited himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I see Brian looking at the soundboard. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, but we are – this was probably our also our longest episode to date, probably about – I'm I'm thinking it's about a a minute and an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah. So for those of you who stayed around, you guys are troopers. But anyways, do you guys have any other shot? Uh, excuse me. 
any other thoughts before we close out the show? I appreciate Matthew Judon. I like the fact that he said, I appreciate everybody on the entire offense, except Mac Jones. He didn't really do much. I like that. Outside of that, that's all I got to say. Well, he is right. Yeah, he's allowed to say it. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's allowed to say it, but uh, obviously, Adam, thank you so much for having me on for this special episode. I'm really great, really grateful I was able to tune in. Uh, and for anyone who's interested in listening to my podcast as well, I have a sport of a general sports talk podcast. It's called Down to the Wire. You can follow it. At, you can follow it on all streaming platforms at Down to the Wire. And if you want to follow any updates, go to my Instagram at down dot to the wire again at down dot to the wire for any updates regarding shows or even small clips. Uh, Obviously, Adam, I'll pass it off to you to close it out. All right, guys. I just want to thank all of you for uh, being a part of this podcast for the past year. I've been wanting to have a, get a show going. Justin, you're not even a sports broadcasting major. You're a psychology major. You're doing this out of the kindness of your heart, and I appreciate you being here for every single episode. You haven't missed an episode, and I admire the hell out of that. Actually, I think you missed one, but that was oh, it. Okay. Oh, well, way to throw him under the bus now, Adam. Jesus Christ. I missed it due to a project. That's fine. And CJ, thank you for joining us on on uh, on our show. Um, I really appreciate you climbing uh, climbing aboard with us. You're a great addition. Brian, I'd, I love having you as a guest. I love you guys. This feels like that drunk that drunk conversation where you're like, "Oh, I love you guys." But, or like that, I mean, or like that drunk conversation that we that you had at one point. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, All right. I, I, okay. For All legal right. reasons, I don't know. Well, actually, I wasn't even there, so. Yeah, you, you, you're not culpable in any in anything, CJ. Mm -hmm. I know. Right. I'm 19. I drink milk. Good. Good, good, good. It's good for your bones. I drink milk too, of course. It's good for your bones. Adam, you bet me the dye hall. You know I love milk. So that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on Spotify, Spreaker, and Google Podcast. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Happy one year and over and out. Bye. Thank you for watching. Peace. See ya.